This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Bless you. Look with me in the book of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And so we're back here on faith again tonight. And it's my responsibility to hear the word. I'm to believe the word. I'm to act on the word. And my acting on the word is my faith that is put into action. Very similar to what we talked about the last few weeks. You know, the Israelites, they had to march around Jericho all those different times. So they acted on the word. It's like last week in Mark 5 with the woman of the issue of blood. She acted on the word of God. So something happens when I put my faith into action. Now, as we turn here to Luke 5, here's what I love to do. If you've ever had a concordance or uh, a thing where you look up scripture within your Bible, I, I love to take my concordance and I find places all through the Bible, just everywhere, that it'll mention the word faith. And so I highlight those in concordances over and over and I'll mark those down and my goal is to find everything I can about faith that I can. And so when you hear me speak on this week after week, this is what's going on. I just go to my concordance and find the thoughts on faith and then I study them and I study them and I get them down on the inside of me. And so this is what you're gonna get a glimpse of tonight. So we begin Luke, here, uh, Luke chapter five, verse 17. Now as it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching. Now, this was talking about the Lord Jesus, and it's incredible when you, you follow Jesus' life. Everywhere he went, he would always teach the Word of God. He, he knew he had to teach the Word of God, and the reason I believe he knew that is because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So he was teaching. He wasn't giving them a motivational message. I believe he was probably speaking line for line, precept upon precept is what he was doing. So he was teaching the word of God. And there were the Pharisees who were known as the separated ones and the teachers of the law who most believe this was the scribes who were better ones defined as they were experts in the law of Moses. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, when you see all those. Now, I'm just going to throw this in for the fun of it. But two years ago, when we had the honor to go to Israel, they're still there. The Pharisees and the scribes are still there. And you can tell who a lot of them are because of their arrogance. Still to this day. And it isn't just to... Uh, uh, people who are there on tours, it's to the other Jews. They're very ugly too. But on this day, they're all there and it says the teachers of the law, they were sitting by who would come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now I marked that in my Bible that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Many translations will say this, that this is equivalent to the Spirit of the Lord. This is talking about the Holy Spirit was there. Now, to, to give you biblical reference on that, 
Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So the power of the Lord was present there. Verse 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and to lay before him. Now, these men, they had to have an expectation. Why, why would they brought this guy on a stretcher if they didn't have some type of expectation? So I begin to think about this. If they had an expectation, where did that expectation come from? I believe over and over in this area of Galilee, where is that? They would begin to talk and they would say, when this Jesus shows up, the blind, he, they, they see, things begin to happen. And I think they would say, man, I've seen people touch the hem of his garment. I've seen him do this and this and this. So I believe their expectation was they had heard about the things that Jesus had done. So guess what? They take him in on this stretcher. We've got to get him to Jesus. Verse 19. And when they could find... Not, or when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. Now, we talked about this last week. Jesus had an incredible ability to draw crowds. You know why? Because they all knew when Jesus showed up, things are going to happen. You know one of the reasons I like that is? I believe if we as the body of Christ, the church, if we would elevate our expectation, Jesus will show up. Let me give you a little nugget off of that thought. Just as they knew if they would touch Jesus, things would happen, we touch Jesus through the word of God. So I step out by faith and I believe the word of God. That's the same for every one of us in here. So he says, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and they let him down with his bed through the tiling right into the midst before Jesus. So let's get this picture. Jesus is, he's in this place that had a tile roof and he's preaching the gospel. And there is crowds and crowds. I mean, they are, they are not practicing social distance and they are everywhere upon each other. And the scribes and the Pharisees are there. And as Jesus is talking, I, I, I believe that you can kind of get this image here that all of a sudden they start hearing some noise on the roof. And probably little things of dust start coming through. And they got all this commotion and they're all looking, wondering what's going on. And all of a sudden with ropes, this dude on this stretcher comes down and they put him right before Jesus. Now everybody's wondering what's going on. What, what's happening right here? Now here's a question for you off of that. Why would they go through these extremes to get him before Jesus. Because they had an expectation. It was like, you know what? We're going to do everything we can to get him around Jesus. 
So Jesus witnesses all this. Verse 20. And when he saw their faith, it didn't say when he heard them speaking about faith. It said when he saw the demonstration of their faith. And you know what I think he saw? Was their persistence is like, we're going to do whatever it takes to get around Jesus. Now I have this thought. Is that my expectation? I got to get around Jesus. And so when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Now it says there, when he saw their faith, every one of those men who brought him, I, I believe all the way to this place, they were saying, and I don't know his name was Jack, but they were saying, Jack, you're going to get healed today. Things going to happen when we get around Jesus. And so Jesus looks at the guy and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's times in my life I've looked at that and I've kind of scratched my head and I thought, what was the purpose of him saying that? Just hang on here with me because, ooh, I found some stuff. So he says, your sins are forgiven. Verse 21. And the scribes, the experts in the law and the Pharisees, they begin to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, when you look at this to a degree, you know what they're saying here? Who does he think he is? Now, their proclamation that only God can, can forgive sins, this was correct. This was correct. Unless Jesus could provide evidence that he could do those same things. Visible evidence. So this is where they're getting at. And so they begin to reason and they have this thought. Verse 22. But when Jesus perceived or he knew fully their thoughts, their inward reasoning, their objections, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? He, he knew their, their, their thoughts. Now I'm sure this, this baffled him a little bit. How does he know what we're thinking? Well, the truth is he knows what we're all thinking. Verse 23. Then he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? So in other words, he's saying, which is easier to prove to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? And so when you begin to see this here, listen real close, this is what I found. The Jewish view was forgiveness of sin must precede Physical healing. Let me say that again. The Jewish view was forgiveness of sin must precede physical healing. So you know what he's saying? Man, he gets your heart right. And you'll watch what I'll do. So guess what he's doing? He's silencing the critics. 
Verse 24. But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth or authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. Now, faith cannot work until the will of God is known. The will of God is known right here because the Lord Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. So not only is the will of God known here, the Lord Jesus just said arise. So you know what Jesus did? He gave this man permission to walk and arise. Now, when I look at this right here and, and I read this, think about this with this guy. He was no better right now than when he first came in. So it would have been very easy for him to say, excuse me, Mr. Jesus. Did you not see how I got down here in the first place? But when Jesus tells him his will, look at verse 25. Immediately he rose up he obeyed, he acted before them, took up what he had been lying on the ground and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And so when I look at this right here, this guy acted on the words of Jesus. Wow. This is very interesting to me every time I read it. So I have the thought in my life, when I find the word of God, do I act on it immediately? Or do I reason myself out of the things of God? And I can stand before you and I can tell you, there's many times I've reasoned myself out of the things of God. I hadn't done what he need, uh, desired me to have and to be. Now, turn with me to the book of John chapter 20. And as you're turning to John 20, the question arises to me again, why did this guy come to Jesus in the first place, him and his friends? He had heard about everything that Jesus did. And so when I hear the word of God, and this is going to sting us, when I hear the word of God, does my life resemble the Pharisees and the scribes? Or does my life resemble this man who came in on a stretcher? Oof. Wow. I've had to do some looking right here in my heart and say, does my life resemble which one? Now, to help us understand this a little bit more, because I believe we're all very similar because we're human beings. When we come here to John chapter 20, the Lord Jesus has just been crucified. And remember, over and over in the scriptures, he told his disciples, he said, listen, boys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be crucified, and three days later, I'll rise from the grave. Now, it's very easy to look at the disciples and say, what did they not get about that? But listen, let, let, let me substitute me in there, and I'm one of the, the disciples, and he says to me, I'm, I'm going to be crucified in three days. I'm going to rise again. What, what would have I done? What would you have done? You know what we begin to do? Probably we begin to reason and say, 
that doesn't happen with people. But the other side of that is everything he had told him for three years, it happened. It began to take place. So in this time right here, Jesus has rose from the grave. This woman named Mary Magdalene, who had cast seven devils out, she goes to check at the tomb and remember this angel standing there and this angel says to her, he's not here, he's risen. And remember what she does. She runs and tells the disciples, he's risen. And they're like, shut up. Quit playing with our head. Quit playing mind games with me. So this is where this passage begins in, in John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, so this is Sunday morning. Remember, he rose from the grave Sunday morning. Now we're at Sunday evening being the first day of the week, Sunday morning, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood in the midst and he said to them, peace be with you. Now, picture this. They're afraid of the Jews. There's gonna be persecution. So evidently, they've got the door locked. They got the door barricaded, but evidently, a barricaded door didn't stop Jesus. He appears to them and right here, he looks at them all and he says, peace be with you. Now in the Hebrew, that statement, peace be with you, you know what it literally says? Hello, everyone. <laughs> I left it. Hello, everyone. So Jesus strolls in and they're all sitting there and they're discussing the events for the last few days. Few days and Jesus shows up and goes, hello, everyone. And so... Put yourself in here, okay? I, I would be looking at, at Gloria thinking, are, are we dreaming? Roxanne, are we, are we really seeing what I think? They're looking, they're checking him out. They're freaked out. Verse 20. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So what he does right here, Here's the proof. Here's the visible evidence. So guess what again? You know what they're seeing? Everything that he said had took place. When I read the scriptures and I get a hold of this in my heart that everything he said took place, man, it causes faith to rise in me. You know why I'm telling that? You can trust the Lord Jesus. You, you can live by his words. You can live off of his words. Same chapter, verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples or the other 10 disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Now, you come back in the story. Your name is Thomas. You come strolling in, and all the other disciples say, we've seen the Lord, and you say, shut up. You hadn't seen the Lord. What are you talking about? And so he says, Thomas says, we've seen the Lord. So Thomas says to them, now listen to this, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, 
and I put my finger in the print of the nails and I put my, in, my hand into his side, I will not believe. So right here, Thomas is saying that the only way I believe is off of my natural senses, unless I see, unless I touch. But if I can see and I can touch, you know how much faith that takes? Zero. It doesn't take any faith. It takes none. But yet, Thomas right here, he says this. You will not get spiritual results with human faith. Better stated, you're not gonna walk in Abraham's blessings with Thomas's faith. It's not gonna happen. Verse 26. And after eight days, now it's Monday of the following week, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and they stood in the midst, and he said, peace to you. So again, the doors are shut, but evidently Jesus strolls on through. And he says, hello, everyone. Better stated, I'm back. Now, watch what takes place. Then he said to Thomas, and I believe he, he looked at Thomas right in his eyes, and think about this, guys. Jesus wasn't going to scold Thomas. He wasn't going to beat Thomas up. He wasn't going to say, what type of stupid are you? You're about a, an oar short from having both oars in the water, buddy. No, he didn't ever do that. And so when I read this here, it's not like Jesus' voice is fearful. I think it's very loving and very soothing. And he looks at Thomas and says, Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Now, Thomas, don't be unbelieving. Quit limiting yourself. But believing, but believing. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Now I'm in verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed. Blessed. There's a blessing on ones that, that walk by faith. Now, if I'm going to be real honest in all this, Whose faith tonight does your faith resemble? Does it resemble the man on the stretcher? Or does it resemble Thomas's? It can change just like with Thomas here. God, God can move us forward here. But he said, don't be, don't be unbelieving. He said, but be, be believing. Hebrews 11 once says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just because I cannot see them with my physical eye doesn't mean they're not real. And you know, every one of you in here that are born again, faith is the substance of things, the evidence of things not seen. Now, 
I'm, I'm going to explain what I just said. Turn back just a couple pages or a couple books here to John chapter 3. Oh, i got to hurry. John chapter 3. Now watch. Verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees, a man named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jew. This man came to Jesus by night discreetly, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, that you come from God, for no one can do these things you do unless God is with them. He said, we're seeing miracles, we're seeing these. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The only way you're going to see the kingdom of God is you must be born again. You must be born from above. Verse 4. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He Can he enter his, a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So immediately, Nicodemus looks at this from a physical standpoint or a natural standpoint. That's all he knew. How, how can I crawl back into my mother's womb? Verse 5. And Jesus answered, most assuredly, to, I say to you, unless one is born of water... And many believe this may refer to a physical birth, the breaking of the woman's water. And of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. One must be born again from above. Listen, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the physical, it's physical. It's real. It's real. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. It's real. They're both real. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So literally right here, he's talking about as mysterious as salvation may seem, it's real. So let me, let, me, let me highlight this for you. How many of you in here can, can raise your hand and say, I'm born again. I'm born again. Look at all the hands go up. How many of you, when you got born again, did Jesus come walking up? And hand you a business card and said, hey, I'm Jesus. Hang on to this, buddy. You'll need it. Let me ask you this. When any of you gave your heart to Jesus, did you see him physically? If you did, raise your hand. It's pretty unanimous in here. What am I getting at? Every one of us' salvation is based on a Savior that I've never seen. So how can you base your salvation? How can you, how can you base your eternity on someone you've never seen? Because I read the word of God and the word of God comes alive to me. And this is exactly how God wants us to live every day of our life. That just because I don't see things in the natural doesn't mean I can't believe. So when I find out what's written in the word of God, I base my life on it. And it's very similar that he uses the analogy of the wind. I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind. I saw it today. 
Where it goes, I don't know where it goes. Where it comes, I don't know. But I know it's real because of the evidence of it. And so this is what the Lord trying to move us through, that the same way I give my heart to Jesus is based on the word of God. That's every area of my life. S-O-C-K-S. That's for all my Spanish-speaking friends. I'll, I'll tell you that story some other time. It's just the way it is. It's the Word of God. So if I base my eternity off the Word of God, I'm going to base my entire life upon this. And I heard this years ago that Billy Graham made this comment. It's either all true or none of it's true. And I thought, wow, that is a powerful statement. And the Lord Jesus said in John 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what he's saying? Base your life off of this. Step out in faith and think about what he said to Thomas. He said, Thomas, Thomas, don't be unbelieving. Just believing. Just believing. And you know what I say to the Lord? Grace me every day in my believing, Father. You gotta help me. Help me get past this area, okay? Stand up with me here. I hope this helped you tonight. Don't be unbelieving. Be believing. So it's very easy at times for me to put myself in these, these passages of the scripture and say, what would I do right here? Why don't you bow your head with me? Father God, we ask you to deposit just unwavering faith in us. And the very words, Lord Jesus, you said to Thomas, Lord, we ask you to grace us with that. Help us to not be unbelieving, but believing. And Lord, I pray right now, just as salvation, just as being born again, it, it resonates on the inside of us. It's, it's so real. And Father God, let the rest of the Bible be that real to us, that when we ask you to forgive us, that we, we just receive forgiveness by faith. And that when we ask you to cleanse us, we just receive that cleansing by faith based off of the word of God, that Lord, you said that in 1 John 1, 9. And so Lord, right now, for everyone of us in here, woo, right, grace us in this area, that the just will live by faith. That we'll walk by faith and not by sight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.